We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Roto Grinders NFL Food for Thought Podcast. We're back. Playoff edition. <laughs> A lot has happened in the National Football League. I am really excited for this episode. We have some random guest on with us. Pulled him off the street. I'm just kidding. He once called himself the most handsome man at Roto Grinders. Also called himself the most talented man at Roto Grinders. It's not Will Priester. I know that's what everyone's thinking. Talented, handsome, good at what he does. It's all true. But hold on a second. I'll bring Will Priester in. You know exactly where we're going to throw the show to momentarily, Chief. But introduce our guest for us today. All the way from the uppermost parts of the United States of America, where football championships continue to descend among this beautiful land that shall now be called Tom Brady Nation because he's left and no more championships shall commence during this purgatory with Mac Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, 
Rob Coakley. Rob, what's going on? What's going on, guys? Thanks for that backhanded introduction, Priest. Like, <laughs> we're, we're going with like talking about the championships and then how we're already in purgatory. So I appreciate that. Um, great intro. You guys did a great intro. However, however, I was inspired listening to your show a couple weeks ago. There was some talk about, I believe, the Generation X at some point in the show, maybe on the one with TJ. I can't remember which show specifically. But I've decided to get something together for you guys, and I wanted to intro you guys. Is that cool? Can I do this? Yes. Yes. All right. So here we go. You ready? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Roto Grinders proudly brings to you the podcast champions of the world, Chief Justice Will Priester, the Luch, Justin Carlucci, food for thought and if you're not down with that we have two words for you like subscribe <laughs> amazing that was pretty good you better watch yourself or you're gonna have to amazing. do that for every show that you're producing people, people will demand it all right so we, Listen, we got our intros there. that's classic though that that's that's that takes me back rob that that's classic wwe f excuse me that was wwf it wasn't an e at that time Freaking amazing, Rob. That that's the new intro. I love it, Luch. Memorize that. I don't know if I could replicate that. But let me ask you this, Rob. Would you say would you say TJ's Warwich if if you had to? Or would you would you would you rather quit your job or intro TJ's Warwich to a show? Well, I would just have to cut a promo, right? Like that's what I do. I don't know if you guys were watching any of the Spike Week stuff as we were building up to the Spike Week Royal Rumble in the offseason, where we did a contest amongst 12 quote unquote experts to crown the best ball championship of spike week which i have the title behind me right here still and um spoiler alert on who won that tournament he also just won two million dollars pat corain won the spike week championship wins best ball mania so spike week is batting 100 for their champion also winning best ball mania right now Whew. So if you didn't know Rob works for Spike Week, by the way, he does a great job. <laughs> he does a really <laughs> great job. But I, d I did see the video you edited. It was hilarious. So I understood why you kept calling yourself the most handsome man uh, at RG and, and things like that. So, But, man, you guys had your hand in a lot of success. That has to feel pretty good that – I mean, you know your, your work was good, obviously. But to see what you guys have built at Spike Week help change the lives of others has to feel pretty damn amazing. Yeah, I mean, I got to give all credit to Eric Byme for and um, behind the scenes, our guy who creates all of our tools, Hacker. We've just come up. I'm just, I'm just the face, right? I just come out there. I edit videos. I host shows. I give some knowledge. But Eric has really worked hard to build that thing. Hacker's put together some amazing best ball tools. And just to see where it's going is like insane. And best ball just gets bigger and bigger and bigger every year. So it's, we were super excited for last year. We're already excited for this year with best ball. Like, and tournaments are starting in like maybe three weeks. So, and, and Rob, that was going to be my my next uh, interjection, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like, best ball essentially, essentially, does not end. Uh, it's no. like, all right, we get a break, and then hey, no. it's back. <laughs> there's there's no end. It's like so the tournaments usually start in February with like the big board where you're drafting before they before free agency hits and everything. 
and then free agency comes through and then you start getting your regular tournaments and then the season starts. Oh, and then you have resurrection drafts and those start kicking off and then you have playoff drafts. So you can be drafting pretty much whenever you want for NFL. And that's not even talking about NBA, MLB and every other sport there is. I mean, it's the most fun part of having a fantasy football league is drafting, right? Like that is what everyone loves to do. They love to draft. And here, all you have to do is draft and then your work is done. Like you're just setting lineups. Now, it's much like poker, and I have like a little bit of a poker background where you can learn how to do it in five to 10 minutes, but it takes a long time to master concepts and everything. So that's what we try to um, we try to help with beginner and advanced stuff over at Spike Week. So definitely it was been a fun football season. I know there's a million different strategies and, and ways to attack best ball. I feel like this was the season where the people that knew what they were talking about <clears throat> uh, not only touted to and helped strategize, uh, looking ahead to the to stack the championship week, I I feel like was or like the playoff, but more 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 often times than not, the championship week was more often emphasized across the industry than it was in prior years. That's just yeah. my observation for someone who has kind of dabbled in best ball, hasn't taken it really seriously, but I I kind of want to because I love season long drafting. Yeah, um, especially when I don't need to do any maintenance to it. Um, and obviously I understand the concept of stacking, but I mean it was all you know six months ago was. Stacked that Atlanta Arizona game, stacked the Atlanta Arizona game, and yep. then all hell breaks loose. Of course, the season with Arizona, Atlanta switches quarterbacks, and you know the whole nine yards. Kyle Pitts doesn't matter that he plays football. You know the target share is nothing. Drake London barely matters, although he actually played well um, the last couple of weeks. But everything, you know, in, in typical fantasy sports fashion, the you know the chalk didn't hit this in terms of in terms of what the sharps were trying to do um, or maybe not. Maybe that trickled over to the public too. Like a, it's just uh, a well-known concept that, yeah, that game's going to have a high total with no defense. There were sharps and there were, you know, the public picked up on it too as well. And it totally flopped. Right, Rob. So was this a unique well, championship? Not, well, you still, if you were still doing week 17 concept stacking, if you look at Korean's team, he has the dolphins Patriots game a bunch. So he was still stacking for week 17. It might not have been one of the games that were more popular. Right. Um, the unfortunate thing with the bills Bengals happened, like we saw that game yeah. beginning to shoot out. Um, yeah. You also saw, I was big on the chiefs because I thought Mahomes was undervalued. And sometimes I don't think you need to bring it back. So I still wanted Eagle stacks all year, but I wasn't big on taking back uh, new Orleans saint, unless it was like Taysom Hill late or something like that. I mean, week 17 was a big topic of conversation, but it's just like Eric brings up a great point when he talks about it. It's just another thing to consider. It's not the end all be all. Um, it got a little out of hand. One of our <laughs> biggest content things. I don't know if you guys saw it. I did a week 17 shanty for uh, like a whole song about week 17 to a pirate shanty. <laughs> so I got to that... check that out, Rob. I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> But I have to check that out. That was like our biggest hit of the whole offseason was the the week 17 shanty. So I'll send that over to you guys if you haven't checked it out. Um, yeah. But yeah, we we hit that. I mean, it's just – and that's what we like to do at Spike Week. We are going to give you concepts. We are going to give you strategy. But we it's fun. And if you're not having fun, then why are you doing it, right? If you're playing DFS and you're not having fun playing DFS, probably shouldn't play it. Probably shouldn't say that on a Roto Grinder show. But – I think it starts and ends with fun, right? Like if, if like in order to do this stuff, we have a blast doing it. I know listening to you guys' show, you have a blast watching sports, playing these 
these teams having your bets in and everything. And I see that um, Will is over there just like itching to get into this topic that you've been flirting with, talking about and promising and ready to deliver. So I don't know if we want to jump into that. Do you have any guesses what it is, Rob? Oh, I don't know. It might be a quarterback. Can I get one quick question in though? Sure. Because I know I know Spike Week is like like your baby too. Mm-hmm. What? And this is I guess this is a semi-serious question, but not as serious as it sounds. What percentage of players that that subscribe, listen to the content, try to put it into action? How many of the beginners do you think get lucky? And, and I'm saying that because so like in traditional DFS. Like you can get lucky from time mm-hmm. to time. Like you just throw something together, you know, it's a first timer, maybe they've been doing it a couple of weeks and they bank one. And it's like, oh my God, I just took down 25K, right? But mm-hmm. then they have this false sense of, oh, I know what I'm doing. And then they go for it again. And then it doesn't happen for another two years after they've burnt through some of that money and they've, they've got to refigure it out over that span. Like how how much of that do you think is applicable in not season long but best ball? Like how, how many people do you think have beginner's luck and then they're like, oh, I got it, and then the next season they just they flame and then they've got to reevaluate how they're doing things. Well, I would compare it to I think we all probably still or up until recently played in home leagues with guys that. All they did was the one draft. They didn't take it super seriously and they would build these terrible teams and you'd be looking at them every year and they'd be in the bottom place. But every once in a while, they they find that one team and they make the playoffs or they win or something like that. So we see these people that are building teams that conceptually just don't make sense. You know, maybe they're drafting four quarterbacks with two of them being Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes or something like that. Why are you drafting two more quarterbacks? It doesn't make sense. But if they get the right nucleus around it, because it's tough to screw up the fifth round when it's showing you ADP, those guys aren't really going to be scrolling down too far, right? So if they're they're you know hitting the bingo card, right, they're fine. And what I say all the time is I could put my phone in front of my mom to draft the team, and I could give her like two basic concepts, right? Like you're only drafting two quarterbacks, you're only drafting two tight ends, and then do whatever you want and make sure one of your quarterbacks matches one of your wide receivers. And her team's going to be fine because the ADP is right there, right? So it's about knowing how to build teams that have a chance in weeks 15, 16, 17, right? Everyone worries about advance rate. It's not fully about advance rate. It's about are you building a team that can win a DFS tournament in week 15, in week 16, in week 17? Because that's what it becomes. It, you, you're accumulating all these points. You got your, usually your top two teams getting through, but you need to be building teams for weeks 15, 16, 17 to get through larger field stuff. And everyone could get lucky. Sure. I think, you know, Corain probably had 150 teams, but I know two of the top five guys, one of them only entered two teams in best ball mania. One of them already only entered one. And I think the guy that only entered one, won a million dollars, not saying that he was a beginner, but we know he only entered one team in that specific tournament. So, you know, it's, that's, what's great about it though. Right. It, it, there's no maintenance. There's no maintenance, but it's fun to sweat. There's yeah. nothing more fun to sweat than best ball. And, and, and so my last thing is just to, mm-hmm. I guess, put a bow on it, so to speak. The sites want the the one card guy to win. 
so all the new people come in and, and play. Sure. Like that's what that's the marketing. This guy's right. a nobody. He comes in, he wins. Yeah. Come on in. Yeah. Chris Chris Moneymaker, right? You want the Chris Moneymaker <laughs> to come in and 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 it, look at what Chris Moneymaker did to poker. Like all of a sudden everybody could play poker. Now, Chris Moneymaker is he's a pretty good player, decent guy. I've met him before. Um, but he has the last name too. Like like that's how you know we live in a simulation. Chris Moneymaker wins the main event of the World Series of Poker. I mean, it's no Coakley, yeah. but I mean that's true. That's it's you know that's this coming year's winner of the main event of the World Series of Poker. Yeah, hope so. He's serious, folks. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, I hope don't, so. Don't, don't. Where? Yeah, I'm, I'll be playing in the main event for the first time this year, which is a bucket list item that I get to do. I wanted to hit it before I was forty, so we're squeezing that in. Luckily, that's awesome. Yeah pretty excited about it congrats and uh i'm sure you'll keep us posted but we'll be pulling for you thanks yeah absolutely we'll be, uh fourth of july week we'll be out there trying to win that tournament i know you have to focus but i feel like you should do some kind of vlog or something or like some kind of i don't you seem like a video guy you know you like you're you know you're handsome you're thoughtful you're true. intelligent yeah all true right all, all valid points that you make i mean you can continue Thank if you. you'd like oh no i don't want to make anybody <laughs> blush i know it's audio only but yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's a good point about, you know, you, you still need to leverage the field and have a large field tournament mind. And, um, you know, one time I, a couple of years ago, I finished runner up in a live final qualifier, which as you guys know, means absolutely nothing. And the guy who meet me, the guy who beat me, found me on Twitter, DM me and was like, Hey, I, you know, um, <laughs> kind of like, Hey, like uh, I, you came in second, and I finished above you. And uh, I see that Roto Grinders logo. What does that mean? And do you have any tips on the future? Do people use projections for fantasy basketball? Oh, are you so vomiting I, reading this the whole time? So I had to put my happy face on. I'm like, hey man, congratulations! <laughs> like you should check out Roto Grinders. We have one of the best stuff in the industry, and uh, you'll really like it. Good luck. Yeah. As <laughs> it was like the worst, like cor- like puked upon correlation he ended up with in his lineup that sucked out and went to double overtime or something and i'm yeah. bashing my head off the wall because i already had one entry in the live final and was looking for the second and, that's uh, listen that got me in a live final and i mean it was nba man man this show is going to get really good by the end but i think i remember that live final we're in massachusetts at the hall of fame and i ended up taking uh i think it was was it? Is it Trey Burks? Is that who? I think it was Trey Burks. He was playing mm-hmm. for Washington at the time. And like, so you're in the line final. You know how many entries everybody has. And so I look and Trey Burks is like 1% owned. It's 100 entries. I'm like, oh my God. I'm literally <laughs> the only person with Trey. Trey goes off. Like, slap off. He was like 3K, 3,500. Goes off for like 30 plus fantasy points. And so I'm sitting there like, Oh yeah, it's gonna be a good night. And I ended up stacking like the Golden State OKC game partially with like Westbrook and and Curry mm-hmm. and I think Clay. And then guess what happens? I'm, I'm climbing up. I'm climbing up. I'm like, okay, we're we're close. We're cl- like you when you know the live final. You get around 12th place. Like you're starting to feel like okay, and you got some some uh, PMR left. Well. Portland's playing Phoenix that night, and it goes to overtime. And everybody that had Dame and Booker, 
and some other like they just start flying past it. I'm like, gotta be uh. kidding me. Just the worst beat ever. And then on top of that, Golden State smashes OKC that night. And instead of Westbrook going for like 60, he goes for like 40. And it's like, uh. yeah. Not not as not as bad of a beat as that, but I, I totally get it. Totally get it. Well, listen, I, I don't want to hold anybody up from the football talk any longer, but uh, I'll just I'll put it on a platter for you. Uh, Chief, last night, Lambeau Field, Randall Cobb might have played his last game as a Green Bay Packer. So sure. I'll give you the floor. What more do I have to tell you people? I said it last season. I've said it. I will say it again. Aaron Rodgers is not who you thought he was. And I don't care that he was able to rattle off all these wins at the end of the season. Luch, what have I been saying the whole time? Can Aaron Rodgers close the deal? The answer is no. This season, at home, needs to go to the playoffs, playing the Detroit Lions. Did he win a game? No. Last season, at home, facing the San Francisco 49ers, needing to go to the playoffs. Did he get in? I mean, needing to go to the to the championship. Did he get in? No. The season before that, who did they play? Was it Seattle? It was someone else. They're at home, and he can't close the deal. Folks, I don't care that he won two MVPs. What does Aaron Rodgers need to submit the legacy that's been on a steady decline, even with the MVPs, because he can't close the deal? It's championships. He hasn't won a championship in this decade. He's been a glorified game manager, and you can look at the stats and prove it. Aaron Rodgers barely throws for 300 yards a game. He can't help his team get to a championship, but we want to call him the greatest ever. That's a lie. He's not the greatest ever. Did you see Aaron Rodgers walking off that field last night? The guys from Detroit said, hey, Aaron, let me get that jersey from you. No, I think I'm going to keep this one. You need to keep it. Take it home, wash it, frame it, but don't put it back on in Green Bay. Let Jordan Love take this team somewhere that it hasn't gone before, and that's to a championship. Am I saying Jordan Love is better than Aaron Rodgers? No, but I think they got a better chance with Jordan Love in a must-win game to a championship than Aaron Rodgers because he hasn't done it in this decade. He has not done it, folks. So far removed from him coming in for Brett Favre and winning the championship, it's so bad. Like it, it's it's so bad. Do I think Aaron Rodgers is a bad quarterback? No. Do I think he's been overhyped for his body of work in his career? Yes. I will leave it at that. He said while pounding the table, wearing a Carolina Panthers shirt. Well, listen, but see, I, listen, I'm not I'm not living in, in the clouds with unicorns and rainbows about my team, but the whole sports media has this weird affection for Aaron Rodgers who doesn't close the deal. He's like the furniture salesman that gets you to sit on the couch, but you never take the couch home. He can Who get you in to, stores? He can get you <laughs> to the furniture store. But he can't get the couch in the truck for you to take it home. Why? He's not a closer. It was a freaking party at Lambeau before the game last night, Rob. It was a party. It was kind of like the Packers already slam dunked it, it felt like. I'm just I need to I need to rewind to Jordan Love gives them a better chance to 
win a playoff caliber game. That took me by guard because I think he's old enough to retire this year now, right? He's been sitting on the bench <laughs> for 15 years now. You think Jordan loves coming in and, and doing a Brock Purdy? I don't, I don't think so. Not this Maybe if he was in Shanahan's system. So. Oh. I think so. I th- let me tell you why. Aaron Rodgers, from afar, and I'm going, I'm going to say this very carefully. From afar, has seemingly showed very poor leadership with this young team for an extensive period of time. I think they get more production out of Jordan Love, who's actually going to buy into what's happening or trying to happen in Green Bay. Do I think Matt LaFleur is an exceptional coach? Absolutely not. But do I think there's more buy-in with Jordan Love at quarterback? I do. Matt LaFleur stinks. That's a true. lot of he coaches in the NFL stink. A lot of it's So if he plays next year, let's play this fun game that I have to play for the next three or four months. Where do you think Aaron Rodgers plays if he plays next year? I think he's playing a PlayStation at home. You don't think he's going to play another game? I, I, man, look. Not in Green Bay. He can play anywhere else. Like, do you think he's going somewhere I don't, else? I, I'm actually very concerned that he does actually retire this year. Like when, and, and and I'm judging it off of emotion. Don't get me wrong, but when I see Aaron Rodgers, like you know, arm in arm with with Randall Cobb walking through the tunnel, leaving the gate, like it just felt Detroit like just beat us. Well, true, Detroit beat us. Maybe I maybe I'm misreading the situation, but it just felt like the last walk of affection. Like, hey man, this is it for us. Like, we're done. This is, we, we can't do this anymore. Like, we tried it, didn't work. Like, let's just go to Cancun and have a good time and let everybody else deal with this. I could be wrong. It did you feel could. like he was close to retirement last night. No, but you could interpret that as that was – he knew that was his last game in Lambeau as a Packer, right? Like, he <laughs> he knows he's leaving Green Bay – he wants to take it in in Green Bay one more time. He's a god there. It's Green Bay, Wisconsin. 14 people live there. He's the most popular person in the entire Wait, city. Could you imagine if he – I know like you, you posed the question. Could you imagine if he actually played for not the 205th biggest media market in the country? I'm just making up a number here. But imagine if he actually played in New York. I don't, I don't think he wants to play in a big market because he's a choke artist. So here you go, Chief, for the most part. And could you imagine the New York Post after that game if he was the quarterback of the Jets? Could you imagine that? It would be it would it would have been, been slander for two straight years by now. And by the way, you mentioned PlayStation. He just he seems like the type of guy that goes in to create a player and you know jacks up all the sliders to ninety nine and makes himself ninety nine overall, even when he's probably like <laughs> an eighty nine at this point, right? He just seems like that kind of guy. Listen, Aaron Rodgers, if you're listening to this particular podcast, please don't we block love me. You. you can block them. We can. Be we friends. love you. I would like to go to Cancun with you um, <laughs> and have a good time. I mean, these guys up above me on the screen that no one else can see. I mean, you know, cancel them. But me, I want to come to Cancun. It's funny you bring up the Jets, though, because I think like of all the places for him to go, like if he were to go anywhere. The Jets make a lot of sense. I think the only reason he would not go to the Jets 
is because we're following Brett Favre again, right? Yeah. Like we're going right down that Brett Favre. <laughs> he doesn't alley. want to do that because if he go if he goes to the Jets, then he's got to go to Minnesota at some point. He's got to <laughs> go. <laughs> but but the Jets are set up. The Jets are set up for a quarterback to come in and make them serious contenders. So there's going to be a big quarterback carousel this offseason. People are going to move around. Like people are going to end up different places. Um, San Francisco could have been one of those places. You know, we weren't sure with the Trey Lance thing. We thought Brady might go there. This Brock Purdy thing might be throwing a gigantic monkey wrench in all of that, depending on how he performs in the playoffs. But that Jets job somehow all of a sudden is like one of the better looking spots for a quarterback to go to because Zach Wilson ain't it. We knew that about the second no, no, quarter we no. saw him playing. And right? Michael and Michael White's not Brock Purdy. Right. I mean, Joe Flacco might be the best quarterback on that roster, and he's been in the league for like 20 years now. So they they could bring somebody in viable, and they are a serious contender. That defense is good. Those offensive weapons, I mean, Garrett Wilson, my God, like yeah, might be one of the best young wide receivers in the league. He might already be a top 10 receiver going into the league next I mean, next year, right? Like some of the stuff he does, like I think he, I think he's still undervalued right now. Yeah. For sure. Uh, um, Bruce Hall. My ball for half the season. Yeah. It's crazy. So, I mean, you bring Aaron Rodgers onto that team. He has a running game. He has a defense and he has weapons that he can throw to. They might be solid. I know he's choked a lot in the past, but when he was given a team that had everything around it, he did win a Super Bowl. I just can't, I just can't buy into it. No doubt they'd be more competitive, but it's Detroit. This guy had six games on the schedule, twice against Detroit, Chicago, and Minnesota. Zero 300-yard games this season in a pass-happy league. I get it. Green Bay wants to run the ball. They have two great backs. But it really does come down to more of a, like At some point, Aaron Rodgers has to go out there and say, oh, I can still win this game, and he couldn't do it any of these games. Yeah. I, I mean, the fact that they were even in that position is mind-blowing. I know they've been through a lot of quote-unquote turmoil and dealt with injuries this year but last but yesterday that receiving corp was pretty good like christian watson is not the same player he was in august uh, romeo dobbs like we've seen him play well randall cobb can function <laughs> bobby tunyon bobby tunyon and they have a play action game like that play action game should have opened things up more it just couldn't be done i i'm i'm just mind blown that that's the final product that we saw from the Aaron Rodgers offense this season. They might not have the best skill personnel, but it certainly isn't the worst. And Detroit ranks just about dead last in every metric, you know, defensively you could think of. Like I, I couldn't they couldn't even run the ball yesterday. Three weeks ago we saw Chuba Hubbard, Dante Foreman slam the ball down their throat and routing them. It's just so bizarre that I, I, I think, yeah, it's partially an Aaron Rodgers problem, but it's also partially a Matt LaFleur problem. And it's a, a multi-year front office problem where they're drafting Jordan loves to piss him off instead of bringing in more help all these years. It's like the triangle of doom where everyone rightfully deserves to be pointing the freaking finger at each other. And if I'm Rodgers, I'm sick of it at this point too. Yeah. Maybe he's not playing the best football in the world, but let's be real. If, you know, money aside, there's definitely relationships that are not salvageable between Aaron Rodgers and multiple people in that organization. 
Their entire season was summed up in one play last night. And I don't know if you guys can pick it out, the one that I'm thinking of, if you want to try or if you just want me to tell you. But there was one specific play that they ran. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the 2022 Green Bay Packers right there. That's exactly what this team is. That is who they are as an organization. And this is what they deserve. Do you guys do you guys have any idea which one I'm talking about? Are, are you talking about... I guess it's not a monumental play, so I'm going to assume you're not talking about the fumble. That the no. guy tries. You're not talking about the fumble, okay? Nope. Uh, let's see. That is the Green Bay Packers. This sums up their season. Let me let me. Oh, lay it out oh, oh I, I got, I got, I got one more guess. Okay. Is it cross field goal on the crossbar? No, but I mean okay. that could do it. Too. That does sum up their season. Almost there. All right, let me let me let me lay a picture for you. They're on their own 30. It's fourth and one. It's fourth and inches. They have Aaron Jones. They have AJ Dillon. They have some of the best backs in the entire league. They have a decent offensive line. They're playing the Detroit Lions, who can't stop anybody. And what do they do? They run a wide receiver end around with Alan Lazard and lose two yards and give yes. it to Detroit in their own in their own territory yeah. instead Don't of trying to run yeah. Aaron Jones or try to run AJ Dillon. That sums up the Green Bay Packers right there. Like that's who they are. You're not putting the ball in the hands of Aaron Rodgers. You're not putting the ball in the hands of Aaron Jones. You're not even putting it in the hands of AJ Dillon. You put the entire season on the line on your own thirty fourth and inches into Alan Lazard on an end around bullshit sweep, but like just made zero sense. And it was Alan Lazard fine receiver, but not the guy I want running a jet sweep. No, not on fourth and inches, like in your own territory, like not ever. Like if you're not going to get it with AJ Dillon, then so be it. But you put yourself in the best position or, or quarterback sneak with Aaron Rodgers. If hell, if that was Tom Brady, like, yeah, I'm a big Brady guy, of course, but they're going to run the quarterback sneak with Brady there. And he's going to get a yard and a half, two yards, right? He's going to find a way to do it. And maybe that's to your point of Aaron Rodgers. Like, how is Aaron Rodgers not calling his own number in that spot? Like, no, we're not running a fucking jet. Sorry. <laughs> we're not running a jet sweep right now. Like, what are we doing? Who are you? Like, what, what, yeah. what are we doing here? Yeah. How do you not have the cojones to check out of that either? If that's the call. Yeah. If that was the, the, the call. If that was the Matt LaFleur influence special. Who was an awful, yeah. who was an awful. I, I would have rather. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On a fullback dive. Then yeah. Like, yeah. Like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. Terrible. Honestly, fullback dive probably picks up three yards on that because they've already got to push at the line and the running back's going to get behind him and push him through if he's not there anyway. Like, fullback yeah. dive, man. Like, yeah. yeah, anything. How about anything? How about anything else? <laughs> right? Like, how about any other play? I don't care if you throw the, the fourth and inches like you got your, you got one-on-one coverage and you decide to go to Watson like down the sideline or something. Anything other than the jet sweep. Jesus Christ, put it in one of your better, better players' hands. And it's almost like your point with Aaron Rodgers. Like, he's got to have command of the offense where he's allowed to check out of anything he wants. He's Aaron Rodgers at this point. And it's almost like he's like, this is what you call? All right, I'm going to show you why you shouldn't have called this. And he lets it happen. And he just like, yeah. see, right? Exactly. That's, that's the Aaron Rodgers model. Like, where he's told like, all right, so. see what you did. Yeah, I told you not to run this dumb play. Just like with the, the field goal or whatever a couple of years ago in the playoffs against Brady, where it was like, it just made no sense. And he's just like, yeah, what do you want me to do? I'm not the coach. And that feels like what he set up last night. Yeah, I'm not the coach. He called the jet sweep, not me. It's like, yeah, well, check out of it. Peyton Manning would have never allowed that to happen. Not right. in his entire career. Like he would have been like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. Oh, um, yeah. Check, check, check. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it just, to me, it summed up their entire season. Well, big shout out to Detroit, who, let's be real, they knew they weren't playing for anything other than pride and to a lot of pride. Like, that was a big win for the organization. There's been multiple times on this season where Chief and I are trying to figure out the Lions. They're fun. They're not fun. They're terrible. They're fun. They're almost competitive, but they're still fun. They're not competitive, and they're not fun. Uh, the The week that your New England Patriots gave them a thorough butt-kicking was the most confusing pivotal point of the season for me trying to evaluate the Detroit Lions. And ever since then, I mean, Jared Goff kind of lit it up down the stretch, didn't throw an interception for like two stinking months. The offensive line's pretty good. They got some weapons. I don't know if Jared Goff is the long-term answer. I kind of think it's probably probably not, although he played really well. But No way to get rid of Jared Goff this year. After the season. Well, and the jury is going to be out, you know, I just feel like fo- and Dan Campbell, hell of a motivator, but I'm really praying that they have some analytical people in that office as well. Cause I just feel like football oh, guy, man. Dan Campbell and Jared Goff locked up to a, you know, 150 million, $200 million deal might be a bad combination. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. As, as, as weird as some of the play calls were, I literally had to sit here and tip my cap to Dan Campbell at the end of the game, refusing a first down. Like, it, it, it probably didn't feel right to, like, all the coaches. Like, first down. No, we're not doing that. We want more plays. We want more time. We want Aaron Rodgers to literally sit on this bench and watch us send him into retirement. Heck of a call. I mean, and look, it wasn't like it was second and, you know, 10 right so i mean clearly if there was a big gap he makes a totally different call but second and short he says no decline this penalty we're gonna take it we're gonna push these guys to the two minute warning and we're gonna keep running the ball and i mean the stone to call a hook and ladder to pick up these yards late like i i I gotta hand it to him outside of some of the wacky calls i actually think that was probably one of the more brilliant decisions on the season for any coach to ensure that his team gets a chance to win the game. 
hats off to them to close out the season. Yeah, Detroit is one of those teams that they were already bubbling as like a as a fun team that people were starting to get behind in the offseason last year. And it's going to hit full throttle this coming offseason, right? There's two teams that that's going to happen with. It's going to be Detroit and it's going to be Jacksonville. Jacksonville is going to get like super hyped in the offseason because they already look good. Trevor Lawrence is looking a lot better. The offense was firing pretty well. And now you're bringing in Calvin Ridley over there. But the Detroit Lions are going to be doing the same thing because I don't know if you saw like what they've been doing with Jamison Williams. Oh, my God. He got one call back. One was called back. And he just tracked me. It was a track meet. He just outran everybody. This guy, I mean, like, their caveat is for everybody to stay healthy. But if Jamison Williams is lining up on the other side of Amon Ross St. Brown and, you know, DeAndre Swift can get it together for an entire season, you know, like. Which is possible. We saw Saquon Barkley do it finally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's a potential thing that could happen. It almost doesn't matter that Jared Goff is the quarterback. They play in a dome, True. so half their games are in the dome. More than half their games are in the dome based on the division they play in. Um, maybe you lose Aaron Rodgers next year out of the division. Yeah, well, apparently well, they're going to do better make, with Jordan Love, like from what better. we're hearing. You know, like we heard Jordan Listen, Love's going to mark my words. Mark, mark my words, folks. And I, I am not ashamed to say that on this podcast. If Aaron Rodgers retires and Jordan Love starts. The Packers will have a better record to close out next season. I'm going to say that. Right I am. Now. I'm willing to take that action right now. I guess. I'm going we'll to talk. say that. Yeah, there's, <laughs> the hype train is definitely going to pick up some steam with those two teams, and um, you know the Jaguars had a really convincing win over Josh Dobbs and the decimated Tennessee Titans. So definitely, you know, monumental win for the Jags. I mean, they barely snuck it out. Uh, Dobbs didn't get the Tom Brady call that Brady got on Sunday when his arm was going forward. So I'll leave it at that. I mean, Tennessee was going to get boat raced in the playoffs with, with the team they were rolling out there anyway, but I think Tennessee will re like retool and like actually be healthy and probably compete with the Jags for the division. It's, it's going to be the same thing that it was. Do you remember six months ago when the Colts were like minus 185, minus 200 favorites win the division? Everybody was gifting the Colts division. Well, here comes Tennessee, here comes Jacksonville, and suddenly the the Colts, the media darlings, are putting Sam Ellinger in and hiring Jeff Saturday and doing all kinds of garbage. So, I, I think I think Jacksonville is going to be a fun uh, a fun counterpart for Tennessee and probably the Colts to to rival. I don't I don't think it's Jacksonville's division. I don't think it's Detroit's division. Uh, the Vikings. I mean, we're going to touch on the playoffs for sure. Can, but... can we pause real quick and talk about Jacksonville since we're already talking about them? Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, another so... team who. You go ahead. I think go they ahead. can beat the Chargers, is what I'm saying. I mean, I just kind of This is basically on it, but... where I'm headed. Like, yeah, go ahead. Jaguars winning the division, Chargers going on the road. I actually think these teams are probably a lot more even. I think they're going to give the nod to the Chargers in a sense because of, of quarterback play. But I, if I'm the Chargers, and look, they're, they're a national football team, like, they're not afraid to go to Jacksonville and play. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But like the the Jaguars have been kind of on this this steady incline all season, even with some of the losses. And Rob, I don't know if you got a chance to check out some of our earlier pods, but we had the commission on here, and we kind of talked about this early in the season that this was a team they were going to take some lumps. I think they were coming up to the Eagles game, and we were like, let's see how they handle this Eagles game. 
And even mm-hmm. in a loss, do they play hard? Do they play okay? Do they give themselves a chance? And I think we saw enough. And then they started turning the corner. Trevor Lawrence started playing better. And now suddenly at the end of the season, like they're on their way for this season. Um, yeah. Every season brings its challenges. I think the Jaguars have a serious shot. I, I'm not saying an outside chance. I think they have a serious shot to beat the Chargers because of the Chargers style of play. The Chargers throw the ball entirely too much. They get in any situation where the Jaguars go up, let's say seven to 10 points at home. And you get the Chargers on their heels a little bit and they start making these bad play calls, just throwing it for 70% of the game. And the Jaguars can control the clock a little bit and run it a little bit with ATN, hit them in play action. I think the Jaguars get out of here with the win. I, I'm really afraid for the Chargers personally. I think they get beat in this game. I mean, for me, the Jaguars were one of my good calls of the offseason. I was very excited about the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. Specifically, you bring Doug Peterson in. I didn't think they could be worse than last year, basically. Like, last year was a catastrophe. And I thought people were writing them off a little too much this year. Christian Kirk was one of my three most owned players in best ball because I just thought that the offense was going to fire a lot better. I mean, and they picked it up throughout the season. They're at home. They actually do have some sort of a home field advantage. The Chargers don't know what that means. They've never had a home field advantage in their entire life since they've left, you know, San Diego, um, which kind of helps them a little bit, I would say. But at home against the Chargers, the Chargers, they their coaching staff lets them play the whole game. Mike Williams, who can't stay healthy for three quarters ever, gets hurt in the game. Shocker. Real shock that happens, right? That's the Chargers' fault, Rob, by the way. Idiots. Yeah. That's what I'm Idiots. saying. Like, they're dumb. They're a dumb Gosh. football team. They're so the dumb. Chargers are a dumb, snake bit, <laughs> dumb, dumb, stupid, ridiculous NFL football team dumb. that should always be better than what they are. They should dumb. always be better than what they are. Absolutely. How- when the Patriots were on their runs, there was a game or two they should have won. Why did they lose? Because they were stupid then. They're stupid now. They're going to Jacksonville, and they're probably going to lose this game to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, and man. it is what it is. Like the, the Jaguars are a fun team. They're not going to like make it out of like the second round probably because they're going to have to play like a legit team at that point. But they could definitely beat the Chargers. I'm probably taking the Jags in the game, like on some sort of parlay or something. There's always this. I think this non-tangible thing about the Chargers almost in my entire existence of life here on this planet, which is three decades-ish, and I can never put my finger on why they just can't get over the hump. I mean, you said it. Even in the Patriots, the the glory days of of New England, there's some really damn good Chargers teams with Hall of Famers and like name recognizable coaches who were still dumb, I guess, apparently. But I don't know if it was that they were soft or these teams just seem soft or stupid or both, but maybe they are a little soft. I mean, they got they have skill players that can't stay on the field on both sides of the ball. It's like, yeah, let's leave Mike Williams out there. He never gets hurt, <laughs> right? Like of all freaking guys to play yeah. in the second half of that game. When's Brandon Staley going to start being held accountable? Same guy who went for it on his own like 28-yard line in the playoffs last season, which helped get them bounced, uh, if you remember, which, oh, analytics and aggressive play calling. Well, it just wasn't the time to do it. Like, it was so dumb. So I'm with you. I There was two teams I think the Jags could really – 
actually beat in the first round and the chargers are one of them especially being a home game for jacksonville the hype train is going to be absolutely out of control and yes doug peterson what a job he's done just cleaning up the culture chief yeah. i mean the locker like not only do the players have to play better but the whole brand had to reinvent itself in a calendar less than a calendar year because whatever urban meyer did with that organization was probably the worst attempt at running a franchise we've seen i mean it was worse than chip kelly and i didn't think anything was gonna be worse than that it was bad yeah. so you so you bring in that terrible coaching that terrible culture but then, sir, shockingly, you hire a quarterback coach as your head coach to work with your young stud quarterback, and magically things change. What a concept, right? Like, what a concept to get the right coach for your quarterback. It just, you know, one plus one equals two sometimes, everybody. I think I think that's another good point, Rob, since I know we're this is maybe this is more of a bounce around pod, and I'm enjoying it. Hopefully, everybody else is too. I think if you look across the league at the organizations that seemed seemed to have gotten it right at the head coaching position, if you go back last season and this season, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Dan Campbell's probably the right coach for the Lions. Like, look at Jared Goff's play since he's since he's been there. Like, he's drastically improved. I mean, he, he was over there with the golden boy of the NFL and wasn't getting it done. And now he's in Detroit, and suddenly he's flourishing. Like, he, I mean, going into Lambeau, knowing that you're not going to the playoffs and having to focus, and basically your motivation is because out. Well, they got it done, and they improved throughout the season. You've already talked about Peterson. I mean, if we go down to Miami, Tua, I mean, Tua looked awful, and he has he did look awful as we got closer to the end of the season. But I think the coaching helped him play better. You go to the Giants. The coaching has helped Danny Dimes play better. Like everybody has to get it right. If you got a young quarterback, the coach has got to be right. And if not, not only are you hurting your organization, you're hurting your quarterback, who may be a lot better than you think, but you just haven't gotten the coaching hire right. And that's why, even for Baker Mayfield, I wasn't a Baker Mayfield truther, but you know, Luchas heard me say on this podcast. You can't give the man 10 different coaches and expect them to be successful. That's that's right. unfair to an NFL quarterback, no matter how good or bad you are. A bad quarterback can be very serviceable in the right situation. And, and I'm with you 100%. You got to get the coaching right with young quarterbacks. You just have to. Someone needs to take a shot on Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City this offseason with a young quarterback. Like that's the move at this point. You you have to do it. You have to give your young quarterback a chance to excel in this league. Mike McDaniel, the fact that there's rumors about him potentially getting fired is absolutely insanity to yeah. me. Stop. Like like that's that's <laughs> got to stop right away. Um, that's stupid. Yeah, he did something with Tua. It doesn't mean that Tua is going to be the quarterback there next year, or we don't know what's going on with his health, right? Like there's a lot of unknowns going on right there right now. But I'm sure whoever they can bring in for him. He's going to find a way to scheme around his player. He knows right. how to do it. That's what um, it proved. Right. So that's, it's it just, you see a lot of teams that make these really bad head coaching decisions and uh, then they stick with it for too long or whatever. It's just because it's a name. The Raiders are doing it with Josh McDaniel right now. They might be stuck with him. 
there's there's a lot of bad Mike coaches McCarthy. in the league. Mike, yeah, what do we do? Well, you gotta. I mean, Jerry Jones is a puppet master. It's like, who can I put on strings for a few years? And that's what he did. It's oh, it's Mike over McCarthy. in two to three weeks. The the Mike McCarthy era is over. Yeah, but then he'll just bring another puppet to string along that he can <laughs> that he can like coach from the sidelines. Like Mike McCarthy hasn't talked in five years. All of that is just Jerry Jones behind him with like with a marionette just going, you know, run Zeke on third and three again down the hole. Like like that's that's what Throw Jerry up Jones Noah is doing. Brown. We don't like CD Lamb. <laughs> I, I feel like this is a short coming up on YouTube. Which puppet can we find? Yeah, you're right about Mike McDaniel. Plus, that team has bought into what he's done there. So, like, it's a win-win. Even even if Miami doesn't reach the heights that people thought they could, I I I still don't think two was right with you know with all the injuries he's had. But I think Mike McDaniel's a good coach, and bringing in Tyreek Hill also helps. By the way, I think the jury's still out on him being a great head coach but he is a great offensive coordinator for sure so what's going to happen when they hit some rough points is he going to be able to control the team and hold it together i'm not saying he can't i'm not saying he will but like that's going to be the question mark if something like that happens like if if he had these injuries in the middle of the year and they went on like a four or five game skid is the team still buying into what he's saying or are they going to try to walk all over him I, I, i would be concerned about I have a couple of points and I'll let you guys take them wherever you want to go. The last thing I want to say is I love Dan Campbell football guy. I get it. I'd run through a wall for him. That's fine. But kind of what you just said next year, there's going to be some pressure on Detroit. There's going to be expectations. Mm-hmm. A is he going to be able to hold it together? He's a great motivator, but let's see what happens under some serious pressure. I think they might be playing for the division or definitely a wild card berth at this, at this rate. And he's the perfect coach for right now. I don't know if the game's going to evolve or if they're going to need some, you know, analytical mind like a Mike McDaniel eventually or something like that. But he was the motivator to change the culture, right? And we've seen, we've seen teams have good records, fire experienced coaches who the the GMs or the presidents just don't think they can get them over the hump to go from good to great. And I, I, I want Dan Campbell to be that guy with Detroit for the next decade, but I, I don't know if he's going to be. He's the perfect fit for that team right now, and I think we're going to tell a lot more about. Uh, be able to tell a lot more about him and his staff and, and the team next year. Another thing is, it's just ludicrous that Eric Bieniemy hasn't doesn't have a job as a as a head coach or at least a shot. Just ridiculous for whatever reason. You know, I, I, it is it is what it is. Thirdly, since we're talking about coaches and changes and firings, and we and then we're going to go to the playoffs before we run out of time because we could talk for probably three hours if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. I never understood the Lovey Smith hire in the first place in Houston. He's a great guy. He's had a ton of success as, you know, uh, defensive coordinators. He's had some decent runs as, as a head coach. But when you're trying to revamp an organization, that was a prime opportunity to go find a Mike McDaniel, take a shot on a, you know, on a young coach like that or a, Sha- a young Sean McVay or someone that can just, retool how the organization and the players think about winning football games. So I love you. Smith definitely did not get a fair shake with the Houston Texans and the tanking and Davis Mills as a quarterback and et cetera. I just didn't understand why he was brought in there in the first place. To be honest. Well, with here's you. the thing. Why did David Cully get fired? Right, right. Like, that, it's that, he was exactly. doing fine. Like exactly. Had, like he didn't have anything. I exactly. Mean, the so why are we just changing every year? Like, are we surprised it's that just, either one of them are the guys? It's a repeat of the Browns. 
you give it up like it's a repeat of the Browns. It's basically what you're seeing right now. Like prior to Stefanski, the Browns were in the middle of this coaching carousel every year. This guy gets to the year. This guy gets to the year. This guy gets the year. No, that's not right. And not only did they change coaches, they changed quarterbacks every year. Like that, this is the Browns all over again. And until they get the coach right, because I still don't think the I mean. Davis Mills is serviceable. Don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. He's not a superstar, right? He's not a superstar quarterback. He's an elite backup. He's an elite backup in the league, right? So so who's your guy? Are you going to go get a quarterback in the draft? Okay, they got the second pick. They can get a quarterback. Are they going to get a quarterback? Now I'm going to tie this back in. Okay, if you get a quarterback, who in the world is coming there to coach this team? Like, I think – one of the names that's going to be out there, not not necessarily for for this job, of course, is Sean Payton. But you know he's not going to Houston unless no, they say, "Hold on a minute." There. But but my point is, maybe he goes if they say, "Okay, I'll come, but I'm everything. I'm the GM. You got to give me four or five years. This first season is going to be crappy, and I don't care. But I got to build my team." And he he's not. I, I know he's not going around. But my point is, mm-hmm. I don't know if they can even attract. That type of coaching talent. I don't I've heard think whispers they can. of one guy. Maybe you guys have heard the same, but it's it just I, I mean I can't believe we're talking about the Houston Texans on this podcast right now because there's so many other playoff things to talk about. But it just blows my mind. What was the point of the last two years? At least give those guys a fair shot if that's who you're going to want to bring in. I understand you know there's some coaches that bridge the gap, but not it was just handled in such a poor fashion. It, how can any of these players buy into this turnover? on top of the coaching changes and the philosophies and I, I don't know, but I did hear whispers of D'Amico Ryans, who was a legend in Houston and he's a fantastic defensive coordinator. I swear to God, if the Houston Texans waste D'Amico Ryans, uh, they're going to be sad. If they bring him in and get rid of him in like two years, I, I don't know. Maybe Miko Ryans will be one of those guys that's an elite coordinator and not a head coach, but he's a guy that definitely deserves a shot. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about D'Amico Ryans. I don't if I'm like D'Amico Ryans. I'm not going to Houston. Right, but he has that he has no. that intimacy with Houston, right? So maybe they'll get lucky, maybe he'll want to come home. But if I'm D'Amico Ryan's, I'm turning around, I'm running really fast. So we see teams do this all the time, right? They they set up fall guys. We saw the 49ers do it a couple years ago when they hired like the janitor for that one season. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember, I can't even think of his name off the top of my head, but they hired this guy. He worked his way from the janitor all the way up to being the head coach for the year that they were going to be bad. Houston just did it with Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith knew that he wasn't the coach of the future there. For sure knew that. Like, they didn't have to tell him that. He knew what he was. And that's why they went out and tried to win that game yesterday because he didn't give a damn, like, if they get the first-round pick or not. Like, they don't care. Going to your point, with exceptions, anyone that is hired for, like, a rebuild should get three years if they're getting, a like, a full rebuild squad. I think they should get three years as long as they're showing progress, like towards rebuilding the roster, showing progress and the standings throughout the years, they should get a three-year deal. Now that doesn't apply to guys like Nathaniel Hackett, who just completely botched this Denver job, looked awful doing it. He had to get out of it. Like they had to get rid of him because he was already loaded. The roster was already what it was supposed to be. They weren't rebuilding. They were, they were like the chamber was cocked on that team. They were ready to run. And, 
that's kind of like the misinterpretation of like what they do in these Houston ones where they'll bring them in for a year. They gave them no chance to build anything and they're just letting them be a fall guy because they know that there's nothing's going to happen there. So they want to attract somebody the next year or the year after that they're going to let get that time to build through the draft, build through free agency and stuff like that. So I'd rather take the Houston team than a team like the Tennessee Titans or even hell the New England Patriots that are in purgatory right now. These teams are literally in purgatory. They not they're not building, rebuilding. They're trying to like sustain, and it's the worst way to be in the NFL. So I'd rather have the Houston job than some of these other teams, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I guess we should talk some more playoff teams instead of yeah. So talking to the Houston Texans. I mean, but it was warranted. It was warranted. Yeah, it's organic. That's that's the beauty of this show. Like you know, we got a format. We thought we were going to talk playoffs, and look, we're talking about coaching changes. But we are going to talk about playoffs for, I don't know, 15 minutes or something like that. So we'll just go from the macro view here. Who comes out of the AFC? Who comes out of the NFC and why? I mean, should, should, I'm going to put you guys on the spot really quickly here. Well, the NFC is just a two-team race, right? Like, I Depends can't imagine. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine anyone but the Eagles or the 49ers coming out of the NFC this year. Yeah, I... To be, Yo, go ahead, Rock. Go ahead, Rock. I, I mean, and I think it's the Eagles. Like, I think just Brock Purdy, he's been a great story. He's played well. They got a great defense around him. He's got great skill positions. He, I mean, they got everything they need, but so do the Eagles. And oh, the Eagles have Jalen Hurts, who is phenomenal. Like, boy, does they look bad Sunday, though. Yeah, I mean, but they're still probably playing to not get hurt as much. Like, I know they're out on the field and it's still football. But play calling was probably a. I didn't watch the whole game, but play calling from what I saw was probably a little more. He wasn't running at all. Like Jalen Hurts was in the pocket most of the Vanilla time. Vanilla play calling. Yeah, just real like straightforward. Let's just get the W to get the to get another week off. That defense comes together. You have Jalen Hurts that can you know beat you a number of different ways. The NFC Championship game could be a lot of fun with them and the 49ers, but I think the Eagles squeak by at home on that particular uh, one. Let me ask you this, Rob. Um, since, since we're right there, and I, I know this is about the Eagles. Did the Eagles win that game yesterday by chance? They did. Exactly. The Cowboys are terrible. They're not terrible, but they're not as good as we think they are. Like they played their starters for pretty much all, all the whole game, and got dumped. Washington, who is a, does have a stout run defense. Like there's some there's some components to Washington that are good. Don't get me wrong, but I would rather sat my starters than to get embarrassed in the last game of the season, having to go down to Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, and play Teflon Tom right now. Like that's. I mean, you got to think Tom Brady's going to just use this and literally ride these guys. Like, we're about to see the most angry probably Tom Brady we've seen in a long time. Every day in Tampa Bay, he's riding these guys. Did you did you see that team? Just prepare for this game. One game. We just got to win one game, and it's this one. And then he'll figure it out the next week. Like, And I, I know this is about Eagles, 49ers. I do think the 49ers, though, um, I, I think they're – it's a bit more complete. overall. It's it's a drop off at quarterback. 
But I do think that defense is for real, and I think it's going to yeah. give the Eagles some problems. Um, for but sure. That, that's that's my only that's my only gripe. Like if 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 the Eagles face anybody else, if, if the 49ers lose to the Seahawks, just go ahead and put the Eagles in the Super Bowl right now. Like if something weird happens, mm-hmm. absolutely Eagles. So just to compound, just to go off your little Dallas point, I just want to hit real quick. We've talked all year about the Vikings being frauds. There's not a bigger team that's a fraud than the Dallas Cowboys. And they have been for 25 years now, right? Like this is who they've been. We talk about, you know, the Chargers as a franchise over the last 25, 30 years. We talk about the Cleveland Browns as a franchise over the last 25, 30 years. The Dallas Cowboys are the biggest frauds in the NFL almost every single year. And they showed why on Sunday against the Washington Commanders. And now they got, like you said, they got to go to Tampa. Could they win the game? Of course they could win the game, but I think they're going to get stomped in on the next round, whoever they play. So I think uh, that's just the point that we were, we've been underselling all year is that the Dallas Cowboys, as good as they look sometimes are still gigantic frauds. Okay. Well, well I, let, I, me, let me say this. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Luz, because you know I'll go down another rabbit hole. Please, please. <laughs> Well, I want I want to pick the 49ers badly because I think the defense is is real and I think I think Kyle Shanahan's the best, you know, offensive schemer in the league. But I, I just can't. The Eagles getting the bye, being at home, San Fran traveling to the East Coast. If San Fran had the one seed and Philly had to travel out west, I would think a little it's tough to play in the bay, man. Yeah. But I'm gonna go with Philly. But I think that not potential Niners game could seriously be a coin flip. I think it would I think it's gonna be ugly. I'm thinking it's gonna be like a 20 to you know 13 game or something like that. I'm obviously looking way ahead here. The AFC, I tell you what, Buffalo is in a good spot right now despite not having the buy because obviously there's questions around the quarterback and money. They've looked downright awful the last six to eight weeks barely squeaking by if you even call it that so i think buffalo is in a good spot cincinnati oddly enough just playing baltimore and it's just that weird back-to-back thing right the same team division rival it doesn't look like lamar is gonna play that team is kind of decimated in its own right tyler huntley's not the guy joe burrow's gonna take care of business uh, you know, the Chiefs are fantastic. I don't have to spend time talking about them. Neither do you guys. We know what they are, right, at this point. I think Cincinnati has a repeat Super Bowl appearance this season. I'm, I, If you asked me like three months ago, I would have. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. 
Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. said no way, but they found some serious balance, and they're good enough defensively, I think, is is the key. Um, and as long as Higgins and, and, Bur- and Jamar Chase stay on their feet, Hayden Hurst and Tyler Boyd are like two of the best complimentary pieces. Uh, for for receiving corps in football, Hayden Hurst has been great. So I'm gonna go a little bit off the radar here. I think. I mean, it's not like I'm throwing a complete dart here, but I'm gonna say Cincinnati and Philly playing the Super Bowl. Cincinnati might have the f- best fourth wide receiver in the league too. And uh, God, I'm drawing a blank on his name. We talked about wrestling earlier. He looks just like Adam Cole. Um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he has looked amazing. Like as a fourth wide receiver over oh, the last Trent Irwin, yeah, Trent Irwin like has been has been great for them yeah. over over the course of the last few months. So I think as a whole, Cincinnati and they've had Kansas City's number. I just think it's a real hard thing to go back to back years, have to travel for an AFC Championship game if they make it that far and play either Kansas City or Buffalo on the road in another AFC Championship game. But oh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I do think it's I do think it's a three team race, but I do think the AFC has sneaky teams that could upset one of these teams, like a Jacksonville Jaguars. Like if all the cards like fell right, do I think it's going to happen? No, but I see it more likely happening with the Jaguars than with anybody in the NFC. To be perfectly perfectly honest. So can can I can I pose a question here? This is my my question question pod. I guess I, I'm enjoying asking questions today. What do you think is the most sneaky outcome for an NFC AFC championship? Like something that's improbable, but possible. And I know that I know those two two words are contradictory, but if you had to sculpt this thing out for all the drama prior to the Super Bowl, NFC championship, AFC championship, we've got one team that sneaks in. Nobody expect what team is it? I mean, I guess it depends like how improbable you want me to get. You want me to give you a one percent outcome? It would be Tampa Bay and Cincinnati. Like that's the one percent outcome. Ooh. Now you talk, yeah. You talk, you but that's talk not about... out of the cards. I, I, that's no. what I'm saying. That that's cool with me. That's cool with me. Tampa Bay, it's... Cincinnati would be crazy. But you look back and say, and I'm sure if if that were to happen, and I'm air quoting it, you guys can't see this. If that were to happen, here's what we'd be saying by the time we got to the Super Bowl. My God, Tom Brady's Tom Brady's freaking amazing because yeah. he would have to have had, I mean, legendary performances to get back to the Super Bowl. Like one of these games, he's probably got to win in the last. 15 seconds, like a walk-off field goal, mm-hmm. a two-minute drive down the field. You know what I'm saying? It's like we'd yeah. be standing here saying, dang it, like Tom Brady strikes again. Yeah. Um, For me, it would be the Chargers coming out of the AFC. As much as we crapped on 45 minutes <laughs> ago, it's, well, Mike Williams is okay, and the skill player, you know, they fend off the Jaguars, maybe they win by a field goal, and then they just play some ridiculous shootout with Kansas City, who maybe Mahomes plays at, like, the 70th percentile instead of, like, the 95th percentile, and Herbert's doing his thing, and we have a couple anomaly plays, and before you know it, the Chargers are in the AFC Championship against the Bills or something like that. That, that would be my unlikely outcome would be the Chargers making it out of the AFC 
I just can't wrap my head around anyone else other than the Eagles or the 49ers coming out of the NFC. I, I want to buy into the Giants thing, but I it's not happening. There's no Yeah, way. no, no. It's not not the Giants. For me, they might beat Minnesota. Okay. So so now 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 you guys are getting where the 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 seed of my question came from. What if Minnesota as weird as this season has been for them? They just literally have the magic and run their way to the Super Bowl. Like, because the thing is, they really can't put up points. Like, points isn't their problem. Consistency is their problem. Like, they they can put up enough points to score, and they get the Giants in in uh, the first round. I, I think they beat the Giants. Like, I know we've seen them lose some weird games there at home. I, I, think, I think they beat the Giants. But – like they, I know Dallas like smoked them, but they they could beat Dallas. It doesn't seem as likely for them to beat San Francisco or the Eagles. But that's why I'm saying this would be like my most unlikely outcome is the Vikings go all the way to the NFC Championship and just keep riding the wave of variance that has swung in their favor so many times this season. I think for that to happen, though, it would have to be a very specific bracket runout for them where San Fran or Philly, however it works out, would have to lose to Tampa. And yeah, absolutely. I don't disagree with that one bit. It's got to be. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they can run through both San Fran and Philly. Like, they can't beat both of those teams, right? Like that's If they did, Rob <clears> – <throat> we'd be looking at this season like we have all year. What in the world is going on in the NFL? Yeah. So they would have to, if they win, they have to play San Fran in the next round, and then they would need Tampa to beat Philly is the way I would think they would have to do it. Just looking at the playoff bracket. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's, I think it's another one of those 1% outcomes. The problem is like, Tampa's been so bad this year, but they're still not a soft team. We're like Minnesota, man. Like that team just the, the purple is is the purple is a perfect color for them because they are as soft as a grape, right? Like it just it works out so well for them. Jair Alexander greeting on Justin Jefferson, who God, I love Justin Jefferson too. I owe him I owe him a fruit basket or two. He he helped a me. Fruit out basket. <laughs> Put a bunch of purple grapes in it. Uh, a fruit basket, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That this is where we end up. A fruit. All basket. right, we got to the food. We did it. We got to the yes. food. Be- before we get there, who is getting upset in the first round? Since the Jags are the four seed, I guess. I guess you can't call. I, well, it depends. Are you a seed guy? I'm not gonna or call that an upset. I, I think the Jags win anyway, so I'm not. I'm not calling that out. Okay. All right. Um, I will say. I honestly, will say this. straight up, I think it's the Cowboys, and, and and people like, even though Tampa Bay won the division, like, come on, like they, they yeah. won it at, at like eight, eight, nine, eight, whatever like it is, three, like, three and fifteen or something. Three yeah, like the up, the upset <laughs> I think is the Bucks beat the Cowboys, put them out. And the news media runs this all the way through the Super Bowl because you know the media is going to hang on to this that the Cowboys mm-hmm. got put out of the playoffs in the first round. Um, yeah. That that's the upset. I think Tampa's going to win as well. Like that's just 
I just seen. I legit think Tampa's going to win this game, and it's not because the Cowboys lost to Washington. It's a like honestly, I just have faith that Tom Brady's going to get this team motivated to not lose. Like he doesn't want to lose. I think he's going to have them in the mind frame that we cannot lose this game. Come hell or high water, we're walking out of our stadium winners. Now, if they lose on the road. I honestly think he could accept that a little bit better. They can't lose in Tampa. Like, mm. it, they just can't. And I think that's the mentality that they're going to have. And maybe I'm can, wrong, but I, I think that's it. Can I one-up you on this? Sure. And give you uh, an unlikely situation, but one that I wouldn't completely be shocked by? What if divisional game in the playoffs – Third time playing. What if Seattle beats San Francisco? We've seen crazier things happen in divisional matchups in the playoffs, right? You play a team three times. Mm -hmm. It's real different than playing a team the first time or the second time or whatever. That third time, you're so familiar with each other. I think it helps Seattle in that aspect. Now, I still think San Francisco is the better team. They'll probably win. But I think people might get shocked by how close this game actually is um, Saturday, Sunday, whichever day they play. haven't familiarized myself with which day teams are playing yet. But I think Seattle could put an upset on the San Francisco 49ers. I could see it. So I think I the Giants beat the Vikings this week. And then I think they get steamrolled in the second round by whoever they play. <laughs> they definitely get steamrolled in the second round. <laughs> so they lost by a field goal a couple of weeks ago to the Vikings. And they actually let Daniel Jones let it rip 41 pass attempts in that game in a fairly mm-hmm. neutral game script. So they they actually attacked Minnesota the right way. That secondary is porous. Garbage. You know, the caveat is they're throwing a ball to Isaiah Hodgkins, Richie James, Darius Slayton. But did anybody see Kenny Galladay's catch this week in garbage time against Philadelphia? The Giants win and Kenny Galladay catches a touchdown this week. That's where we're at. That's Kenny Galladay with one of the best catches of the season. That's to be better than my Marcus Johnson call, who I don't think he even played. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for him out there. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. I bet you were. That's my upset. Giants over Minnesota. I'm done. I think it's viable. I think it's viable. I think the Seahawks, I do think the Seahawks game is going to be closer. I haven't looked at the spread on that game yet, but that might be one of the ones that I actually take the underdog with the points with Seattle, just because of all the things I said, divisional game, who knows each other better than Pete Carroll and Kyle Shanahan. So I think it's uh, definitely, and Geno Smith looks good, man. He threw for over 4,000 yards this year. That's a big, that's a big deal. Set the record for Seattle. Like he's, he ain't, he's not going to throw for 300 against San Fran, but Kenneth Walker could uh, bust up that line a little bit and give San Fran a little bit of trouble getting through to the second round. Well, we're at that time of the show where we talk about food or some ridiculous story that has happened to us. So I don't know if you have either of those, Rob, but I'll let you I'll let you sit on it. Chief, do you have anything for GPP Food of the Day or Story Time? Man, I... This is going to be a, a national chain, but um, me and the missus went to O'Charlie's yesterday, which is, which is a, a national food chain or local food chain. Not local, but it's I mean it's not it's not a mom and pop. So if you know about O'Charlie's, and man, I think it might have just become our spot here. 
where we live in our town here in Somerville. Uh, went there, just good appetizers, good atmosphere, laid back. And we've gone there before. But, man, the food was so good, we ate there again today. I got this, this southern uh, or country chicken tenders meal where they take the, they, they fry the chicken tenders and they put a mushroom gravy on top of it, a brown mushroom and onion gravy on top of it. Got some loaded mashed potatoes, uh, some yeast rolls. I mean, good eating, or as, as they say here in the South, good eating. Uh, it was amazing. And so, oh, Charlie's gets a shout out on the podcast. Uh, feel free to send us gift cards for this free <laughs> marketing and advertising. What do you got in the background there, Rob? Well, you said either food or thoughts, and I am yeah. going to present you guys with an option. Do you want me to talk about food from New England, or do you want me to talk about my other content career, which is ghost stories? Where Let's go I thoughts a, for 100. You want, you want, you want to go ghost stories stuff? Yeah. So very much uncorrelated. My other content career is I have a podcast called Hometown Ghost Stories, and we are one of the bigger ghost podcasts on podcast platforms. We get like 60,000 downloads a month, which is pretty damn good, I would say, for only being around for about a year. And we are even in the midst of filming a pilot episode for a TV show. So we do a lot of, um, we're called Hometown Ghost Stories, what we do every week. On Tuesday nights, we go live, which is not common for, for a podcast, but we do like this little pre-recorded 15, 20-minute segment where we cover a town. You pick a town in a certain place. We talk about either one haunted location or several, and then we have an audience that like we'll talk about it amongst our three hosts, myself, Jesse, Dave, and we interact with the audience. And uh, not only do we talk about these places, I have gone and investigated some haunted houses throughout the country and had some crazy experiences you guys seen the movie the conjuring mm -hmm. i, have, I have so i have gone and stayed the night in the actual house from the conjuring the real house that um was haunted and that the movie is based upon which is a hundred times scarier looking than the one that they have in the movie it is a terrifying house and uh we had some experiences there. We've stayed in some places that you might not have heard of that we've had even more experiences. And uh, yeah, we do a lot of stuff with Ghost and it's it's fun. It's creepy. And we have stories for days. Hometown ghost stories. Rob, yes. I mean, listen, I think we're, we're going to have to get you on a, on A&E. Yeah. I mean, we're, so we've... Have to get we've, you hooked up. <laughs> We are filming a pilot for a show um, with a network right now, so we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. We've we talk about some scary places, like places I've never heard of, and not only do like you learn about the haunted history of a place, like I've learned so much about not just the country but the different places in the world because I look into the backstory of the town and like I've learned so much about like so many different places just going through. Like Atchison, Kansas. Have you ever heard of Atchison, Kansas? No. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> One of the most haunted houses in the country. Um, not only did we cover it on our show, um, we the wrestling theme, 
I've gone on Chris Jericho's podcast a few times and talked about some haunted houses. So we talked about the Sally house from Atchison, Kansas, which is like the most terrifying house in the country. So there's a, a lot of fun places in the country. If you're looking for something a little different, you want to talk about ghost. Uh, I know the crossover isn't as big with sports, but you know, some people might be interested. Oh, it's, it's, it's an interesting industry. And, um, I was in Harper's Ferry, West Virginia a couple weeks ago, and I didn't really get to mention it on any of the podcasts. Random place within like three hours of driving distance. Neither myself or my girlfriend have ever been there. I said, okay, we both have a couple of vacation days and let's go somewhere different. Um, and there's a lot of history there, a lot of war history. And yeah, there are the, the town is known for spirits to be active um, mm. because of all of the you know, the war history there and things like that. It is a town that is one street, cute little town, but that is literally it. It's one little street where you need to spend no more than two and a half hours there. And we spent like three days there. Luckily, <laughs> there was a Hollywood casino about 20 minutes away with a Barstool nice. sports book. Definitely nice. didn't go there. Um, <laughs> but the funny part is they're big on history and i guess during the i guess it's a pretty big tourist attack attraction during the summer and they hire these reenactors to come in and like hang out in the town which mm-hmm. is still a little surprising to me because it was such a small town and we got there and it was it's out of season but they about half of the town and i didn't know this were like mock buildings i didn't i was like oh look there's oh, a convenience wow. store we can get our groceries there. and i walk in and it's just like plastic mannequins and things just standing up there i'm like holy shit, half of this town isn't real. So the small town was got even smaller. We didn't see any spirits or anything, but which I was a little disappointed or anything creepy or anything out of the ordinary because I do believe in that stuff. I've had some experiences. Maybe I, I can talk to you about it sometime, somewhere. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't always like that. I was pretty close-minded a long time ago. It's just one of those things, I think, when you go <laughs> when you experience something firsthand, totally a 180. But Harper's Ferry was kind of cool. If you like history and you like hiking, I went on a hike and I didn't throw up and I didn't die. And then I went to gamble 15 minutes away and everything was fine. Just no ghosts. Nice. Do you want me to tell you a quick story about one of the places we investigated? I think so, you should do that. Yeah. So we went to the Oliver House, which is in Middleborough, Massachusetts. This house is probably 15, 20 minutes away from where I live. I hadn't heard of it. And not only is it like this big historical house, Benjamin Franklin used to go to this house. He actually outed the owners as like loyalists to the English crown and stuff. It's like this whole historical story. Um, then there's more families that live there with tragedies that happened. And when we went there, I walked into this one room and I got a real uneasy feeling in this room. I just didn't like being in this room. And of course, I opened my mouth and immediately everyone's like, well, you know, you're investigating that room by yourself later, of course. So we use one of the devices that we use. It's a spirit box where you're supposed to be able to communicate with spirits. And I've never like we've gotten intelligent responses before. If you go to our YouTube channel or listen to the podcast, I have like a full blown conversation with a spirit like just going back and forth about things and just a, every every question I asked, I get the answer to. And then finally, at the end, I'm like, all right, I'm going to leave. Is there anyone else you want me to send in here to talk to? And they would just go, no, you. And I'm like, no, but I need to leave. Can I send someone else, Dave or Jesse? And it goes, no, you. And then I said it one more time. I'm like, can I please leave and send someone else in to talk to you? And it just goes, no, you. And I go, well, I'm going to leave now. I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. And it goes, goodbye. 
and i was just like oh my god this is terrifying and uh other stuff happened in that house too it's a good episode to go to go watch but we i mean we don't always go and investigate the place we would love to see every place that we could but that was one of the ones that was uh pretty pretty creepy man you made the hair on the back of my neck stand up a little bit there i'm not gonna lie but that's awesome man congrats with your uh current success and thanks man i love that stuff that's cool yeah but oh i totally forgot there's a place called the Rabbit Hole in Harper's Ferry. It's the only restaurant that's open when Google says it is. They have 100 beers. So I knew there was some food tie-in with what I was talking about. So I think I drank 50 of those 100 beers that they had in three days. So. <laughs> nice. So. You had to, made them have to restock over there. I might have to look into Harper's Ferry for an episode. If I do, I'll bring you on. Okay, cool. How's that sound? Good. Well, we appreciate you coming on. No Even problem. More. This was a lot of fun, guys. I, I enjoyed yeah, myself. Maybe we can do this again in the off season. Talk some best ball. Talk some ghosts. Talk some Aaron Rodgers on the <laughs> New York Jets. Yeah, as long as you clip that intro for us, so we can use it, and we'll be thinking of you every episode. <laughs> we we can uh, we can try to do that. I'll re- I'll download it see if it came out good enough. <laughs> Chief, any parting words? Nah, man. I, I mean, Rob, we appreciate you coming on. Always a good time. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Rob also helps produce at RG, so we get to interact. Uh, I, I, w- I wouldn't say quite a bit, but more than a little bit, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah. so I'm I was, I was pumped for you to come on, man, and uh, you know, hang out. It was incredibly fun, a lot of fun, guys, tons of fun for Chief and Rob. I'm the Looch, enjoy playoff football without Aaron Rodgers. Have a good night.